This is Subjectively Correct Sports, the only live streaming YouTube video show thing. Podcast. And podcast, where you get two guys, David and Anthony, talking about sports and an assortment of other things that we feel like talking about at the time. Uh, very excited to do our second live stream. Uh, we've decided we'll do Monday nights and we'll do Thursday nights. So come and watch us live Monday nights at 9 p.m. Central Time, Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Central Time, and of course you can catch the stream later uh, on our YouTube channel, and you can always check out our podcast, the Subjectively Correct Sports Podcast. You can uh, go to our website, uh, www.subjectivelycorrectsports.com. Now, now, now that it's live, we can't do that. Before on the podcast, we could do that. We could just start over and stuff. Can't start over. We're live. That's the danger of live TV, Anthony. Okay. Mistakes happen. I think like to think of happy accidents. Just a, like Bob, Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Yeah, a little tip of the a little tip of the beret to Bob Ross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a lot of stuff going on in sports this week. Uh, I'm glad that we are doing uh, multiple shows now because before it felt like there was just an avalanche of things to talk about. And we had like an hour to do it, and we'd always run over time because you would always interrupt me. So this feels better. This is, uh, I'm excited about this. This feels better to me. So, yeah, what- so thanks everyone for uh, feedback on our first live stream. Uh, like more people watched it than I would have predicted, and uh, and we heard from some of you, and uh, we've taken all of your uh, criticism into account. And um, you, the show obviously isn't for you, so you don't need to watch it. Okay. Just kidding. Thank you for all the, all of the feedback. Uh, much appreciated. NFL Week 14. What a fun NFL week. We're getting down to the wire. We've got three weeks left. Um, I watched some games. They were highly entertaining. Let's start Rams-Bears. So I, I love how we say it's getting interesting and it's getting down to the wire. But it's felt like it's never, it hasn't changed since week one. Like, I don't feel like a lot has changed. I feel like we know teams are good, oh. right? We know those teams. But then those teams lose. Those teams struggle. And, and it's just like, yeah. the NFL has this magical way of doing that, of always just feeling like everyone's in the mix all the time. Like, it doesn't matter what week it is or who just won, who just lost. The NFL has a special way of being like, oh, but all these teams could make the playoffs. I remember seeing, like, an in-the-hunt chart on, like, I think it was Sunday Night Football last week or something. And it was, like, all the teams that were winning, the teams that were in the position for the wild card. And then it was, like, every other team in the conference <laughs> it was in the hunt. Yeah. And I it's because like, there's so few games. Yeah. Right? And, I mean, if you go on a three-game winning streak to end the season, you you probably make the playoffs. Right. Right, which yeah. is crazy. And it's it's I think that's why so many people love the NFL and why people are, are drawn more to the NFL than they are to baseball and basketball. Because, like you said, legitimately every week feels like it's important. And lots of times that plays out, where teams are at least playing for positioning, teams are at least playing playing for a home field advantage or something, when it's uh, week 16, week 17, you know what I mean? So I, I think the NFL has, I've been able to get into it more these last couple of years and be focused on a little bit more and pay attention to a little more. And I'm glad I have, because it's been super exciting and super fun. In fact, let me just pull up my notes here. I want to start by talking about the game that I think a lot of people will be talking about, which is Trubisky, Goff, Rams, Bears. It was a little bit of a slog. Wasn't the the high flying fun Rams offense that we're used to seeing, mostly because the the Bears defense is so dominant. Yeah, their front seven gets to the quarterback so fast. Khalil, Khalil Mack being added to an already decent defense that gets to the gets to the quarterback has just created all sorts of problems for quarterbacks and young quarterbacks especially are going to struggle against that type of pressure. What surprised me the most about watching Goff in this game was how bad he was at filling the pressure in the pocket. 
So what, what I mean by that is if pressure would come straight up the middle and they did a stunt on the right side or something so that uh, the whole pocket had kind of swung like like almost like a gate opening to the to the left, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like sliding to the right or shuffling to the right a little bit, he would hang where he was and, and kind of eat the pressure in the middle and try to hit a, hit like a hot read in the middle. Instead of maybe just shuffling a little bit to the right, not necessarily taking off and running, but just shuffle a little bit to the right so you can still uh, so you can open up those passing lanes so you can um, create that those same so those same routes that were called can still be thrown to. You just have to shift the pocket a little bit, like he ha- just kind of have to move, and uh, he's not very good at that. He's not like the pressure. Well, yeah, well, I I think the Bears are just a unique defense, right? So the the hard thing about playing the Bears is they only rush four, and those four are dominant pass rushers. Yeah, and so they're able to drop seven back in coverage, right? And, and so you get a lot of coverage sacks with the Bears, but you also just get a lot of of the quarterback throwing the ball away, you know, missing his target because he's just he's got to throw it into a, such a tight window yeah. because there's so many defenders out there. So, I mean, I don't think Goff is unique in this in this case, right? right. right? He, he absolutely isn't. But you'll see the the veteran quarterbacks and the better quarterbacks. They recognize that if you're rushing four and dropping seven, if you give NFL level receivers and tight ends enough time, they will get open against seven deep coverage against eight. It doesn't matter because. It's so hard to defend a route for more than like four yeah. or five seconds. I think part of this is on Sean McVay, coach of the Rams. Um, if you watch the game, there were hardly any screen. I don't mean I don't I don't know if there's one screen thrown right, which that, surprises that, me because they have a lot of really interesting, intricate screen packages where they'll they'll fake a run to the running back, fake a screen to the left of the tight end, and then go back to the running back on the actual screen. They'll actually dummy out uh, linemen to one side, mm-hmm. and then. The other two will go the other side and bring a receiver in, and that will be the screen on that side. They have a lot of interesting screen screen packages, but I don't know why they didn't go for it. Maybe they were worried about the speed of the Bears, and maybe because they were rushing four, that freed up the linebackers to pursue yeah. the screens a little bit more, but I don't know why they went away from such a staple of their offense. Yeah, it could have been that. Also, the the game plan was just weird. They rushed uh, they rushed Gurley, I think it was 11 times, and um, you know he's an MVP candidate, having an awesome year. He, you can't rush them. I know the the Bears' run defense is awesome. Their their defense in general is just really good. Yeah. But you have to make them uh, respect the run, right? Um, here's my theory on what happened. The Rams just can't play in the cold. Goff especially can't play in the cold. Well, he played. Where did he play his college ball? California. California. Where did he grow up? California. Yeah. Okay. So look look at um, his stats from when they played Denver a few weeks ago. He was fourteen of twenty eight. This is a this is an offense that has scored I think twenty three or twenty nine points in like every game yeah. except this game against the Bears. And it's an offense that's designed to give the quarterback easy throws. Yeah. So he was fourteen of twenty eight, uh, two hundred and one yards, no touchdowns, one interception against the Broncos. Not great. Okay. This game is twenty of forty four. 180 yards, no touchdowns, four interceptions. Yeah, four picks. Yeah, so uh, no touchdowns to five interceptions in the two games he's played in the cold, right? You compare that to his season, overall, 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That's counting the four interceptions he threw this week, right? So I think part of part of it is he doesn't play well in the cold. I don't know why that is. It's, it's harder to throw, right? That, that's been a thing for quarterbacks since the beginning of time. Peyton Manning... Yeah, had that same stink it, on him, where it, it was like if he went outdoors in a cold stadium anywhere, 
especially New England, but you know New yeah. England, and uh, he, he would, couldn't win in the in the cold weather. That weather they always said about Peyton Manning. So I, yeah, the good thing for the Rams is they probably won't have to go into the anywhere cold in the playoffs. Yeah. Either they're the one seed and they're playing at home, or they're the two seed and they end up having to play the Saints on the road in a dome. In a dome, yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, so I don't think this will plague them in the playoffs, but their offense hasn't looked, and Goff especially hasn't looked good over the last three weeks or so. Yeah. Um, so I think it's up to McVay. I mean, he's a third-year quarterback. He need or maybe fourth year at this point, but he needs he needs his coach to to get him some easy looks earlier in the game. Yeah, and usually he's good at that. Another thing I noticed while watching uh, Goff and Trubisky and Wentz as well is that when they when they drop back and throw right at the top of their drop, they throw great accurate passes. And what I mean by that is, say there's a five-step drop, and the the quarterback drop and the receivers routes on that play are designed to be ready to throw right when the quarterback hits his drop for for most of the mm-hmm. for the most part especially with young quarterbacks they like to do that. And so when when Trubisky and Goff and Wentz have a chance to take their uh, their drop whether it's 3 or 5 steps and then throw right away, they seem to do really well and can throw accurate passes. But if they have to hold the ball at all past their their uh, the top of their drop, if they're asked to hang on to the ball just a little bit or let a route progress a little bit after that or if they're asked to make a second third read, their passes, even in clean pockets, become wildly inaccurate. And I, I think that might just be a comfort issue. They're still not comfortable in the NFL pocket, and so they drop back, they get to the top of their drop, and they want to get the ball out of there right away. And you'll see that, and like I mentioned with Goff, they don't understand how to move in the pocket to give themselves those throwing windows and to give themselves that extra time. They just stand there stone-footed, because they don't know what to do after they get to the top of their drop. And this is something that veteran quarterbacks like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees are so great at, is they get to the top of their drop, their first read isn't there, they feel some pressure from the left side so they can move up in the pocket or they can shift to the right pocket. They don't necessarily get out and run right away, like a lot of young quarterbacks will do, but they'll they'll move in the pocket and they'll adjust the point of attack for the defenders, and that creates more time for the receivers to get open and those routes to develop. It also allows the linemen to continue and sustain their blocks, which is so much easier. Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal at this. And these, oh, oh, Aaron Rodgers is good at that? He's very good at it. Have right. I mentioned it a few times? Uh, he does have the greatest arm talent of any person who's ever lived. I think you've said that once or twice. I have. He's also really good at moving in the pocket, like I just said. Oh. But but I, it might be a difference between veterans and young guys. This is probably some one of the hardest things to teach a young quarterback. Is How don't, much of it is instinctual? I think it's a little bit, but I think yeah. it's definitely something you can learn. Steve Young is famous for having to learn how to stay in the pocket and not scatter and run away. Yeah. It's something he really, really had to work at. He was one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the NFL at the time. And he had to really train himself to stay in the pocket when all this is going on. I mean, it's, and it's totally natural. You have freaks like Khalil Mack coming at you. And you have to just kind of calmly move around a little bit. And, like, instead of running away like a scared rabbit, which is what I would do, you just Fe- have to, like... <laughs> fetal position. Yeah, like, every time, every time. <laughs> like, Brett Favre at the beginning, of his, at the end of his career, I saw him take some really fun sacks when he played for Minnesota. It's like he... The, some really fun sacks. Yeah, yeah, they'd be fun because, like, he'd drop back, go, like, get to the third step of his drop and see, like, a corner blitz coming and it was like, boom, and the corner was, like, five yards away from him. <laughs> Tuck and so roll. the corner would go, it's like, tap him on the helmet and be like, sack, do the little dance and stuff. But, but yeah, yeah, so... If you want to understand how good some of these other quarterbacks are, these veteran quarterbacks that we talk about, don't watch for the scrambling plays when it comes to mobility. But yeah. look about how they shift in the pocket and look how comfortable they are in the pocket. That's the major difference. And I'm, and we're not seeing that yet from Goff, Trubisky, or or Wentz. I didn't see a lot of. I didn't watch a lot of Baker Mayfield 
this week, so I don't I don't remember watching and paying attention to that I haven't been able to. But yeah. these young quarterbacks need to develop that a lot more if they want to be successful in the league. Well, we talk about it a lot. There's like ten good quarterbacks in yeah. the world, right? It's yeah. such it's such a hard position. You have you have maybe ten people who excel in all facets of it, or or you know eight out of the ten facets, right? And um, you know you can, it's rare that you get someone like a Rogers or a Mahomes. Oh, Mahomes. He's amazing. Do you, right? I, I feel a lot of love coming from, from you when it comes to Mahomes. I'm a Chiefs fan. Are you really? No. I was going to say, when did you become a Chiefs fan? I'm not, but I'm a Mahomes fan. Okay. Should yeah, we talk okay. about Mahomes? Should we talk I, about Chiefs-Ravens? It was a great game. Yeah. I mean, it went into overtime. and it, It's one of those games that's like, um, it has all the, the, you watch it on SportsCenter and you're like, whoa. That was probably a great game. Yeah. 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 But then, then you sit through it and you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh. I mean, at one point, at one point, Mahomes was scrambling and the ball just like slipped out of his hands. Yeah. Like, like just like dribbled out of it. And I was like, oh no, right? <laughs> it, it, so there were a few things that surprised me. Something that, that Mahomes does that can lead to huge plays, but also makes me go, huh, is he'll roll to the right, he'll, he'll on the run or he'll completely stop and he'll throw it across his body to like the left side of the field. <laughs> And it'll just be floating up there, what feels like forever. And you're like, yeah. oh, and you see like three ravens sitting under it. Like, okay, cool. And then like <laughs> Tyreek like, Hill comes running by like a streak of lightning and like grabs it and runs for 40 yards. And he, he throws a football like I throw a Frisbee. You know? It just like hovers for a while. You're like, wait for it to come down. <laughs> and it, it seems he like puts he, magic spin on it. Yes, and it seems like he does that once or twice a game where he's just yeah. like almost like eyes closed and like throws it back behind his body. And then one of his guys, Kelsey or Hill or someone runs underneath it. And you're like, oh, what a great throw. But in reality, every football player that has played at the professional level looks at it and goes, oh, he got lucky there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it bit him on, on in, in this game a couple times because he got picked off a couple times doing that. A couple times or one time. I don't remember. There were a lot of interceptions that I watched <laughs> this week. I can't keep track of all the interceptions. It's a messy league, man. It is, especially for these young quarterbacks when they get pressure on them. So yeah. they end up getting the win in overtime. Right? The uh, Chiefs. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, thanks uh, in, in large part to Travis Kelsey. Who was just an animal, and we've been talking about this a lot uh, this season. It's the most underrated position in the NFL. Oh man, these tight ends are so important. I mean, we see how different the Patriots look when Gronk comes back. I mean, they were able to get wins and stuff, and Josh Gordon coming and helping their passing game has been part of that. Not a defender. Not a good safety. Not a good safety. I don't think he spends a lot of time we'll playing to, safety. We'll get to that. Yes, yeah. we will. But these tight ends are so important, and they put up such big numbers, and they're so consistent, right? Uh, that even a guy like Kittles, runs with Skittles. Who now? Kittles. He plays for the Carrie, Niners. Carrie Kittles? Is that his name? I just know him as Kittles. I can remember wasn't Kittles. Carrie, wasn't Carrie Kittles a, uh, a, ba- a gymnast? Kentucky basketball player back in like the 90s? Carrie Kittles. I think he made it to the league. I think, I he, think, so. I think he definitely did. He played for the Nets. Yeah, yeah, he played for right. the Nets. Carrie Kittles played for the Nets. Was that the Kobe Bryant draft? Allen Iverson, Kobe Bryant, was it? I don't know. Someone fact check us out there. I, I have no idea. All I know is this Kittles guy for the San Francisco 49ers has been balling. And it's so fun to watch a good 49ers wide receiver because we had Vernon Davis for years. And then he went off to somewhere, the, the, Reds, uh, the, the Washington Redskins or something like that. And it was like, all right, cool. But he was really good, Vernon Davis. But then to yeah. see another good tight end, it, it gives you hope. And it gives you so many options when you have someone that big with such good hands. Because they're basically like power forwards out there. Speak more about his hands. His hands are big and strong, and he catches the ball. Excellent. So the Raiders are still. Why would you do that to me? Why would you do that to me? <laughs> so the Raiders are still a dumpster fire. 
but they're an entertaining dumpster fire. Somehow they most beat dumpster, this. Most dumpster fires are. That's like, true. Imagine have you, ever... you walk past on the street, there's a dumpster on fire. You're not just going to be like, oh, okay, and just keep going and ignore it. You're going to stop and stare at that dumpster no fire. One, no one in the history of dumpster fires has looked away. <laughs> that's, I, think we, that, I think that's indisputable. I think that's a fact. Yeah. Um, yeah. No need to fact check that, s- fact checkers. Somehow they're giving their players away because they just... John Gruden went in there and decided... Um, Good players, not really our thing, right? We're just going to go with our bad players and try and lose every game, and they're failing at the plan of losing every game. They can't even lose, right? They they beat a good team in the Steelers. Well, okay, sorry, a bubble good team in the Steelers. But Are you starting to, to they're, they're, regret calling them a bubble good team when they lose to that disaster? Yeah, they have some really bad losses on their record, and so I, they, may be, they may be falling off. They may be bubble bad. Are all of their losses on the road? Uh, no. No, no. They lost. Some, they, they lost some stinkers at home. They lost to the Chargers at home. Well, the Chargers are. are they're. You're not even bubble good on the Chargers. You no, they're the Chargers good. are legit good. Yeah, yeah, they're good. So uh, I mean, a, a loss to the Chargers this year isn't that a, isn't a bad loss. I would even if even at home. Yeah. No, I I don't I don't I can't recall who they've lost to at home, but they they have at least one loss, probably more at home. Um, but yeah, they have some really bad losses as well that just make you like in a, a, a tie against the Browns when the Browns were still not good. Browns are, Browns are getting better, right? Well, they they fired Hugh Jackson and now things are starting to change a little bit. And who knows? Maybe those things would have happened if Hugh Jackson was there. We just don't know. Yeah. But it seems like firing him was like a catalyst they needed. And also uh, Baker Mayfield, hating on Hugh Jackson may have encouraged or inspired some of his teammates to to move forward and. and yeah. And, so, yeah, oh, but but back to the Raiders. So, um, Reggie, uh, what's his name? Reggie McKenzie. Reggie McKenzie. Uh, G- <laughs> yeah. Reggie, he was the GM of the Raiders. Every single person in the Raiders organization that doesn't play has bad hair. <laughs> it's true. That's that's accurate. Uh, Reggie McKenzie. What uh, is it with the Raiders and bad hair? <laughs> I think the person in the well, Raiders, the like, owner has bad hair. You think it's just like a, a so, culture thing? It's a culture thing, and so it's just a screening process. Like I can't look at this guy every day. I'm just gonna be reminded of how not good my hair is. Do you think? Do you think they made like a little pact and they were like, okay, look, he's our boss, he's our owner. Let's all have bad haircuts so we don't make him feel bad. Yeah, I think John Gruden restyled his hair to imitate his owner's <laughs> hair. They kind of look alike. They do. Yeah, it's. Uh, but so so Reggie McKenzie, former now GM of the Raiders, was fired. So John Gruden has seized complete control of the Raiders. Tell you what, it's, man, that's a lot of work, man. I mean, I gotta coach the team. I gotta teach them how to lose properly. They can't even do that right. And now I also gotta be the sole GM. Wait a minute, they're paying me ten million dollars. I don't care what I have to do, man. Um, how many Spider YZ bananas can you run in a game? Enough to lose a lot. Enough to lose. Yeah. Enough to lose. Yeah. Uh, but somehow they're not losing, right? They're winning. They're failing at losing. Uh, so one other thing this NFL week, the Miami Miracle. It's probably uh, not not quite as uh, epic as the, uh, was it the Nashville Miracle? The Tennessee Miracle, was oh, it? Oh, yeah, the, the Music City Miracle. Music City Miracle, right? That, that, that was that, amazing. That, that had more implication, right? right? That was in the playoffs. Right. So, so I... I was it last week? I think it was just this last week. I was uh, trolling my classroom, like monitoring my students to see what they were doing. And I saw students on YouTube 
watching that game. And instead of being oh, like, really? oh, stop that, you're in trouble, oh, get to work, I was like, oh, I was watching that game when it happened. Watch what's going to happen because they hadn't seen this before, right? <laughs> and I was like, he's going to get it. That's Frank Wycheck. He's going to throw it to Dyson. He's going to run out. And I was like breaking it all down as it was happening. And they thought I was so cool because I knew some football stuff. Mm-hmm. So shout out to any of you, my students that are listening. As opposed to the Music City Miracle, though, this play counted and should have counted, right? The Music City Miracle happened. No, forward pass. No, no. Forward they, pass. They didn't overturn that. They didn't, but they should have. It was fine. It was completely even and stuff like that. It, it was, was fine. forward. It was not. This is maybe the hottest take we've ever had. Or the, the, the hottest debate we've ever had. No, I it think... It was a forward pass. I think one time we talked about movies and it got a little heated. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, I had Drake from the Dolphins on my fantasy team. <laughs> and he scored a touchdown <laughs> on that play. He was the one who ended up with the ball. So I feel like I should have got extra points because of the, the degree of difficulty. So you, think, you think game-winning touchdowns should be worth more points in fantasy? I just think we should we should reassess or, yeah, we, the, the algorithm for fantasy football should take into account degree of difficulty. Okay, okay, stop everything. That should have been an instant win. Stop everything. Stop everything. I think we're two weeks removed from you saying that fantasy football is dumb. Yeah, that's super dumb. So why are you bringing it up on our show? Well... Because if you're going to do something, do it right. So fantasy algorithmists, like, figure it out, okay? I don't think there's, like, a room of, of fantasy football technicians or something just typing it all out. I don't think that's the case. I don't know, though. What I am I talking about? I so I watched, I watched a lot of that game, and I was impressed with the Dolphins' offensive line. And I actually have more concerns about the Patriots than I do high hopes for the Dolphins, if that makes sense. The Tannehill looked pretty good. Tom Brady, I mean, he did Tom Brady things this game, but he also missed a lot of wide-open throws in the in the red zone. There were at least two touchdowns in the red zone that he just simply missed in clean pockets with no one around him. So the Patriots should have won that game, but they made mistakes. And, for example, they blocked two punts in the first half. One they turned into a touchdown. One they turned into a field goal, I think. So the Dolphins' D, good job by uh, you know, holding them to a field goal on that on that second one. But... The Patriots really should have dominated that game. But the Dolphins' offensive line kept him in it. Frank Gore is a beast. He's <laughs> yeah, still didn't doing he, it. He like, moved into fifth all-time rushing yards? Yeah. yeah. I don't you, think... imagine, you think about like the Mount Rushmore plus one of, of NFL running backs. and He's on nobody's list. No one's list. Yeah, no one's going to put Frank Gore on that list. Which, you know, I don't... I, I think he's kind of a compiler because he's been on a lot of teams for a long time. Yeah. But... I mean, he's still performing at a really high level for an, an okay team, and that's impressive. When Frank Gore's going, and you also have Kenyon Drake, who's really fast, and then Tannehill can do a few things. But I, so <laughs> he can do a few things. So the, uh, he throws a, he threw a couple of really good deep passes, and they really need that. Yeah. When they have the combination of the running game and the threat of the deep outside ball, they can be really difficult to defend because then that opens up the middle of the field. And then that opens up the running game even more. So it's it's a perfect storm when that those things are happening. But I'm a little concerned with the Patriots. I don't know. I mean, last play aside, they should have dominated in that first half and put the game out of reach by the third. And yeah. they couldn't do that. We're used to seeing that. We're used to seeing the game well in hand by the third or fourth quarter. Well, the, the Patriots have dropped out of my top five. They're no longer a, a good team. They're no longer a good team. Here are, your five, good team. Here are your five good NFL teams. Rams. Okay. Yeah. They lost... But their only two losses on the season are on the road at Saints and at Bears. Yeah. If you're going to lose to two teams on the road, those are two t- two tough teams to play on the road. 
Saints. Saints are chugging along. I think they're going to drop one of these games. Uh, I think they play the, the Panthers two more times this season, and uh, I can see them dropping one of those. Panther, Panthers are getting desperate at this point. Uh, who else? Chiefs. Chiefs. Mahomes. Yeah. Chargers. Good team. Bears. Old, old Phil Rivers. Old Phil Rivers getting it done every week. Bears. Good team. Best defense in the NFL. They're a scary team. I would, I would be very scared to play them in the playoffs. Um, those are your five good teams. There's some bubble good teams. Patriots are now on the bubble, which is weird to say because we put them there every year. Every year they're on the bubble. I think was it, but, but by this point in the season, usually not. Usually it's like it's September freakout, right? right? Now here's my question: if if they would have tackled Kenny Steele's before <laughs> they made that pitch, right. yeah. would we be talking about the Patriots as a bubble good team? Probably not. We'd be talking about them the same way we always have, which is they're probably going to to make it to the Super Bowl and, and have a good chance of winning it, right? So it's so funny how that one play changed the entire narrative yeah. of everything, right? So even if they would have won, I would have had my concerns with the way that Frank Gore and the Dolphins' offensive line seemed to kind of handle the front yeah. seven of the Patriots. I would still have those concerns, but they also, would have won. It would have been a totally different conversation. But like even Belichick's off his game. Like Why, when you have Tannehill... At the thirty, at his own thirty-yard line, why do you put <laughs> Grunk out there as a safety, as part of your like hands team, right, to knock down a pass? He can't make it. He can't throw it to the end zone. He can't throw it seventy yards in the air, right? right? Just get your best defenders out there, someone who can tackle. Instead, <laughs> instead, Gronk chases Drake to the end zone, trips well, over his chases. own... Yeah, trips over his own two feet, and uh, and Patriots lose the game. If he had someone out there who, like, actually was a defender... Who played defense for a living instead of caught passes for a living... Yeah, the game yeah. maybe ends up differently. I think maybe what happened is someone at the stadium had a laser light <laughs> and shined it down on the 15-yard line, and Gronk was like, oh, he just chased it. Yeah. And then one of the safeties was like, no, no, Gronk, no. And then he ran <laughs> ran off the field to avoid the avoid the penalty. And then Gronk was out there like, oh, no, okay. So he's just standing out there falling over himself and touchdown. That's what I think happened. Gronk do what Gronk do. Yeah. The interview afterwards was fun with him. Like, he was just, like, so surprised. Just, like, staring like, like this for, like, the entire press conference. It was interesting. Like, his eyes were all huge. Like, he still just had no idea what just happened. <laughs> Probably because he didn't. He was probably they were probably asking him questions and he was going. That's his heartbeat, right? That's what his heartbeat. That's what his heartbeat does. Absolutely. Grunk, go long. That's my grunk impression. Well, I think that's that's it for NFL talk this week. Anything else you want to bring up? Not that I remember. I'm sure there's more. Yeah, no, I'm good. All right, well, let's dive into David's Hot Take Minute. You ready, David? Yeah, I'm ready for the Hot Take Minute. I'm going to put one minute on the clock. So I, I think there's been a problem with the Hot Take Minute. I don't think it's been as hot as it needs to be. It's so it's, it's lukewarm it's been, minute. It's, yeah, it's been mediocre. Like, uh, lukewarm minute, I think, is a good yeah. way to describe it. So I'm going to try to turn up the heat a little bit and speed it up a little bit and bring back that Hot Take magic. Okay. Am I am I free to interject? Or do you want this, you want this to be just about you? You know, I'm good with a little interjection, but... It's called David's Hot Take Minute, not okay. David and Anthony's Hot Take Minute. Right. Just keep that in mind. That's fine. I don't care. You seem a little upset. Go. Whoa. Just you're, go. You're not even going to sing? I, yeah. I usually don't like it, but now I feel kind of bad. Like, I kind of miss it. Um, nope. All right, cool. So, you're just going to tell me to go. Just go. So, you just want me to start? Just start Hot Take Minute. No singing. No singing. Go. Okay. Christmas came early. You... 
Light up my life. You give me hot. Take minute. Go. So, I don't like to see movie trailers when I know I'm going to see the movie. Why is that weird? Why is it weird to want to be surprised at the movies? So what if I can't talk about the movie trailer with other people before it comes out? I'd rather talk about what I saw after it happens than talk about what I think is going to happen and then be disappointed. I've watched a lot of video of young stud quarterbacks this year. One thing that continues to surprise me is how bad they are at feeling pressure in the pocket. Mahomes making no-look passes is so cool. Other QBs have done it in the past, but when he did it, it looked extra cool. The Rams and Patriots both lost this week. A major difference is who they lost to. The Patriots lost to the Dolphins. The NFL has a special ability to make everyone feel like they can make the playoffs. Are the Raiders trading good players because they can't afford to move the team one state over and pay their players? I love watching guys try to foul LeBron when he goes up for a dunk. It's like trying to stop your older cousin when he takes it hard to the Fisher-Price hoop when you're 4 and he's 12. Luka Doncic went on an 11-0 run by himself against the Rockets to win the game. It reminded me of the time Tracy McGrady scored 13 points in 33 seconds to get a win for his team. It was so fun to watch. Doncic is the real deal. He's 19 years old. Frank Gore is old, but he keeps going. He's going to make the Pro Bowl, or at least he should. Okay. Yeah, he should make the Pro Bowl. Okay. Frank Gore should make the Pro Bowl. So I'll take, is it over? We survived. Hot take minute. Well done, David. Uh, yeah, I don't think I disagreed with any of your hot takes. Except maybe that he should make the Pro Bowl. Has he never made the Pro Bowl? No, he has before. Oh, but okay. It's just impressive that he'll make it at this age. Yeah. I haven't looked at his stats this season. Oh, he... So yeah, yeah. They, the way they use him, though, we need you need to take into account the way they use him. Mm. Like, Kenyon Drake is the speed back. He's kind of a power back who can also break a few. You know, he, he can't outrun defensive backs like Drake can. But... He's been really solid for them this year. In fact, I can pull up the numbers real quick while you move on to the next thing. Okay. Uh, so I, I did want to talk about some college football. Um, as we await the college football playoff, they did announce the Heisman winner. So congratulations, Kyler Murray, Oklahoma quarterback. Um, had an awesome season. Um, you were telling me, I, didn't, I actually didn't even realize it or didn't know this. He was, he's a Mariners prospect. Yeah, he signed a contract with the Mariners. He's actually a signed Mariners player so he's been given a signing bonus or he will receive a signing bonus once he's not a a college athlete anymore because he had to keep his eligibility by not taking a huge chunk of change which is I mean come on dude don't why aren't we paying these guys what they're anyway I just that's maybe for another time it's just ridiculous to me that he can't take the money that he's earned Mm -hmm. but anyway so he's committed to uh, he's committed to play for the Mariners once his college career is over. As a pitcher? As a, I, was it pitcher? Pitcher, no, shortstop? Know. I don't sure. remember. But in, in any case, then he won the Heisman. Yeah. And it's like, okay, so a Heisman quarterback who's playing for a program who produced a, a, one of the best rookie quarterbacks we've seen for the last few years in Baker Mayfield, he has a tough choice ahead of him. But he's already said, I've committed to the contract I've already signed with the Mariners. So that's probably what it's going to be. So, I mean... Bo Jackson 2.0, right? I guess quarterback, it's hard. It would be hard to be a quarterback and pull that off. Yeah, I don't think you could. Yeah. I don't think you could. He, he could be a, a, like a utility player, like kind of how the Saints use a, a Taysom Hill now. Yeah. Right? That Bl- guy. Blocking punts, wildcat. Yeah. Um, so what what should have been the most special, wonderful night of, of Kyler Murray's uh, life to this point um, was marred a little bit by some 
tweets uh, that that were brought up from when he was 14 and 15 year old, years old. We don't need to share the, the, the contents of the tweet, but they were, um, I guess, homophobic, right, is, is, is how you'd characterize them. And we talked a few months back. Um, who was it? Was Josh Hader we were talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, well, this seems to this happened to Hader. It also happened to uh, someone from the Nationals. I can't remember who it is. As soon yeah. as you tell me his name, I'm going to remember. Yeah, um, but it's it's happening more and more as professional athletes who grew up with Twitter, grew up with YouTube, grew up with all kinds of uh, social media, uh, and have a social media record right that can be accessed by anyone online. Uh, this is going to happen more and more. And we talk, when we talked about it last time, um, we talked about how if you're an agent, priority number one uh, when someone signs with you is to tell them to delete their social media accounts. But a collegiate athlete can't have any contact with an agent. That's right. And so now I have to think, okay, so do now all athletic directors have to tell all of the, all of the athletes at their school, delete your social media accounts? How likely is it that college kids are going to delete their social media accounts? Probably not very likely. Well, I would tell them to start over. Especially, yeah. I would have a sit down, especially with the players. That is your goal to make it to the NFL. Yes. Okay. You don't want a Laramie Tunsil situation. You don't want to show up draft night and have a video of you doing something that scouts and GMs would frown upon when you are there at draft night, right? I mean, he dropped a few spots probably because of what happened, mm-hmm. right? So if you're a player like Tunsil, if you're a player like Murray, if you're a player like you know, someone who's going to go in the first round or second round or something, you should have a sit-down with that player and say, take all your social media and delete it and start new. I mean, it can't be that hard. And besides, you want to start with a nice, new, fresh, clean brand anyway, especially if you're a quarterback. I mean, you want to be the quarterback robot, right? Hmm. That's my quarterback robot move. <laughs> nice. That looked better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just think, like, okay, if someone's 14, 15, I don't know where the line is, but there's a line somewhere. And going back into a, a teenager's tweets, like, who has not said something they regret when they're 14, 15 years old? Yeah, not, and when we did it, back when we did it, we did it in private. We didn't do it we for did the it to whole someone's face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, Joked with our friends about it, right? Yeah, yeah. And once it was said, it was gone. Yeah. There's no record of it. Only in the memories of the people we've hurt the most. <laughs> what? Um, oh. But yeah, but now it lives on forever. And so I guess parents need to do a better job. Teachers need to do better. People, kids need to be better educated. Maybe they are. I don't know. You're an, educa- you're an educator. Does this ever come up? Yeah. In fact, we do a whole, uh, throughout the year, we do a whole... Uh, media and technology awareness kind of a thing, teaching kids about safety online and things like that. And I always tell the story about um, a pitching prospect who almost lost a scholarship because someone hacked into their Twitter account or created a fake Twitter account with that person's picture and name and everything and started sending out very inappropriate things um, that almost lost this player's scholarship. Mm. So in order to protect that player and his scholarship when he was in high school, they had to press charges against the kid that did this. And this kid got in huge trouble, and luckily this baseball player was able to go on and still get a scholarship because he was proven to, to have been, in, uh, no, been wrong. To been, yeah. uh, but anyway, so we talk about those types of things all the time, but it's just for some reason, for some reason that I don't quite understand is... Kids these days seem to have such a hard time not getting their opinions out there. They have a hard time not saying what they're, what's on their mind. It's almost like their life is a YouTube comment section. 
Yeah. It really is. And I t- I've told my students that before. I'll say this is not YouTube comment section. I don't need to hear your opinion on everything that is said or done in class all the time. And, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know what it is about I, I sound like an old man yelling at the at, at clouds right now but i just don't understand this need to get your thoughts and opinions out there all the time for everyone to see you know what i mean and it's something that like you said they need to be educated about at a young age these things last forever even if you delete a post or something like that we see it with celebrity posts and tweets all the time they say something that they regret and they re- they delete it everyone's going to screen cap that as soon as they see it because they know what's going to happen so even if you think it's just going to be there and gone it's going it's on the internet forever and yeah. there are ways to save those things so I, I wish these players had better education, better support systems around them to tell them things like that. But at the same time, I think a little bit of it is also common sense. Also, let's just like stop looking in people's Twitter history. Let's just stop doing it. Yeah. You know, unless you're being vetted for like public office, like who cares? I don't know. I feel like if you want to find dirt on anybody, you can, especially in such a uh, uh, open society that we have now, where. What I ate for dinner is all over my Instagram. Not on mine personally. I just use that as an example. I'm not a foodie. <laughs> well, David, let's let's wrap up the show with some lighthearted talk on NBA. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. I. Okay. Sports Illustrated and I are beefing. Okay. They don't know about it yet. This is a one-way beef. It's a one-way beef. At this point. It's okay. So they. Do you know who they? Do you know who they named the Sportsman of the Year? Um. Okay, let's see. If I were if I were to name a sportsman of the year, um, I don't know. I'd, pro- I'd probably like LeBron. He seems like an obvious candidate all the time, right? Maybe like Mike Trout. I know he does a lot for Trout. charity. Yeah. Um, I don't know who won. You really want to know? <laughs> I guess you'll be disappointed <laughs> if, if we want to move this segment forward. I do want to. Oh, know. we do. Yeah. Okay, we want to keep it going. Sure. It's the uh, Golden State Warriors. The sports man of the year is is well the sports person of the year. Sport, sorry, the sports person of the year is. But still, does Sports Illustrated know that that's a whole team of people? Why are we calling them the sport person of the year, when it's very clear and obvious that the Golden State Warriors are a group of people working is, together, yeah. not a single individual. Is uh, what's the purpose of a sports person of the year? Is it like the person who was most dominant in sports, or is it the person who um, is it like your sportsmanship? Is that is that what they're getting at? What's the criteria for sports person of the year? Well, the uh, one of the things that it said here on Sports Illustrated, it said that excellence and performance wasn't the only thing that went into the, their decision to name the Warriors the sports person singular of the year. So, I, I don't get it, man. Uh, I, I guess they were dominant and stuff, but great. That still doesn't make them a person. Yeah. That's like, um, that's okay. like the, what was it, time? And I mean, I'm not going to like disagree with the choice or whatever, but their like person of the year was the, uh, was like the Me Too movement, right? And like, good, like that's, that's obviously was a very significant movement, but not a person. Not a person. I don't know. This man is a bad stand for me to take. <laughs> You're anti-me too? <laughs> I'm not. Wait. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> don't put me in that. Do not put me in that camp. I'm just saying. It's a. It's an odd award to give to a movement. Yeah. Right? No, I get that. I get or that. Or to give to a team. Right. No, for reals. But it, so it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And I was like, you couldn't just like 
maybe pick Steph Curry yeah. or someone, you know what I mean? So, But you know what they did do is they got themselves a lot of free news and media coverage by doing something that was out of the ordinary or strange, you know what I mean? So if that was their goal, they nailed it. They're getting a lot of extra attention based off of just doing something a little wacky. But I still don't – I think it's kind of lame. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm excited this week for, for basketball because – December 15th, once the 15th rolls around, we're going to start seeing a bunch of trades in the NBA. Uh, it may not happen all at once, but what? so December 15th is the first day of the season where uh, a player who just signed uh, as a free agent with a team can be traded, right? So, for example, the Lakers uh, signed Rajon Rondo in the offseason <laughs> as a free agent, right? That team. He can't be traded until December 15th. Okay, so a lot of free there were a lot of free agent signings this summer. No, a right? ton. A lot of one year deals were signed, and so all of these players are going to be eligible for trade December fifteenth, and the trade window stays open until February 9th. So the next two months of basketball are fun because one teams are actually starting to play well now they got the rust off from the summer, uh, but two we're going to see a lot of player movement, and for example Trevor Reza is a really hot name right now. He's playing for the Phoenix Suns. They're the worst team in the NBA. They have no chance of doing anything uh, this season. They have no chance of making the playoffs. And he's on a one-year deal. And they're looking to rebuild. So if they get yeah. a good package that that includes maybe a player that can kind of replace Arisa and do the same kind of things he can do, but then get them some draft picks, I think they'll jump all over that deal. Yeah, I don't even think they need a good player. I think picks is, is what they want. Maybe a guard to... to that can handle the ball to, to take some pressure off Devin Booker. Um, that poor guy, Devin Booker. He's like DeMarcus Cousins when Cousins was in uh, was in Sacramento. Yeah. I feel this because Booker put up a 75-point game last year, the year before. Yeah. I mean, so he's amazing. Yeah. But. These uh, these poor Kentucky Wildcats that go off and have to be like the best player on their team, on a bad team. Yeah, it would suck to make that much money to play a game. Can you think of any Kentucky player that got drafted into like a good situation. No, because they all get drafted too high and they're and they're on bad teams. But like, but yeah, but you get like a, a Jason Tatum, Duke. He yeah. was drafted third overall and ended up with the Celtics, right? But you think of Anthony Davis, drafted by the Pelicans. Like they've made the playoffs a couple times, but no real threat. He, he's he also elevated them, right? Yeah, so. right. John Wall. They're in. Yeah, they're not. No, they've underperformed. That situation for so long. is yucky right now in, in Washington. <laughs> Demarcus yucky. Demarcus Cousins. Devin Booker, um, a host of other Kentucky players. Like, ha, who who's the most successful Kentucky player? It's hard to think of. Like, has any former Kentucky player won a championship in the last ten years? As as sure, as like, a as a featured as player, as a guy, yeah. yeah. I don't think so. I don't know. I can't. I can't think of him. Yeah. Um, so look forward to to uh, these trades coming up. See if Trevor Reza goes anywhere. I don't think Anthony Davis is going to move. Moved. He's one of the names that gets floated around. I think next year's the year he gets traded if he indicates to the Pelicans that um, that he's not looking to resign long term. Right. And what an, what an interesting power dynamic we've seen in the NBA and how that's shifted from like the teams owning all of the power in that situation to now the players can say, "I'm going to be a free agent and I don't want to sign with you." Trade me or you're going to get nothing and I'm just going to walk. Yeah. What a cool power to have for an NBA player, NBA superstar. I wish I had that in my job. Tell you what, I have two years on my contract. If you don't trade me to a better school this year, I'm just going to leave and take you know take this another school's money and I'm going to be in a better situation. You know what I mean? I would, that would be a nice little power to have. 
But I don't think that's ever going to happen for me. Mm. Well, while you think of that, I want to thank all the uh, everyone for tuning in. Thanks to our listeners. Spread the word. We're going to keep doing this. We're going to try to get better at this live thing. Yeah, so we're going to record every Monday night and every mm-hmm. Thursday night at 9 p.m. Central Time. So we appreciate those watching live. If you missed our live uh, our live stream on YouTube, you can catch the, the show on our channel. And, of course, you can catch the podcast, like always, the Subjectively Correct Sports Podcast. It should be available tonight, Thursday, uh, Monday night, or tomorrow morning. Yeah. So uh, until Thursday, um, stay safe. Stay vigilant. Is that our new sign-off? I don't like it. Stay, you know, Tony Stark dies in Endgame. Bye. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Can you just spoil it for me? That's funny. Okay, I like that. <laughs>